You're listening to SuperPod, Road to One Million, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask top MSP owners what it's like in the trenches and what does it take to build a million-dollar MSP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of SuperPod, Road to One Million. I'm Radhika Nair, and I head content at SuperOps.ai. Today's episode is truly special. We are joined by Andrew Erdley, founder of Prompt PC and MSP EC Tools. Andrew has deep experience building and scaling IT services and support businesses. He launched Prompt PC, a Stoke-on-Trent England-based IT support and security service provider in 1998, and it was acquired earlier this year. He launched MSP EC Tools in 2019. It offers a package of products, especially for MSPs. Uh, These uh, products protect Office 365 customers of MSPs from cybercrime and also saves MSPs time and provides them with a monthly recurring revenue. So I think all MSPs should go and find out about what Andrew and MSP EC Tools does. Andrew is here today to talk about how he built and sold his MSP. Welcome, Andrew. I'm super glad you are here talking to us today. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So I think, um, you know, considering you sold your, sold your business just a couple of months ago, I think this is a great time to look back and reflect upon your journey so far, right? So tell me about your MSP journey. Um, 25 years ago, started as a one-man band, um, grew it, shrunk it, nearly killed it, made some massive mistakes along the way, um, and then started to get my head around actually i need to sell this business uh you know businesses are there to provide your lifestyle it's not it shouldn't drive your life they're there to provide a lifestyle and you know i enjoyed my time running prompt pc but there becomes a time in life where you want to move on to the next phase um and you have to start planning for it and you have to start planning well in advance So, you know, that's really where we started, um, you know, and grew and sold it at a really good point. You know, the best time to sell a business when it's at its peak, because that's when you earn most money. That's what it's all about. Right. And you also told me recently when we spoke that, you know, if you knew then what you know now, you would have crunched this entire period into a few short years instead of a couple of decades. So if you could walk us through, you know, what you would have done differently or what you think MSPs should do now to ensure they build and scale a successful MSP and hopefully, you know, sell it like you have or, you know, whatever outcome that they want. Yeah, well, I think, I've got to be honest, I have prepared a few little notes as I'm going along, so I will keep referring back to them, but I've actually managed to break it down into 10 key practical and proven steps. Um, you know, yeah, it took me a long time to do it the, the way that I did it, but I think actually you could do this in two to three years really simply. Um, you know, in a nutshell, I'm just going to quickly talk about how to kick things off, what you need to have around you and who you need to have around you, how much you can practice sell it for, uh, how to find the right buyer and how to avoid the costly pitfalls. Um, so do you just want me to start, go straight in? Yes, dive right in. All right, so the first things first, start at the end. You know, you, you really need to know what does life look like after you've sold the business? Um, you know, for example, what kind of house do you want? What car are you going to be driving? 
Where are you living? What are you and your grandkids and your kids and your family doing? Um, what will you be doing after the business? You know, you've got to start to live the life as if you're there because what you need to earn now or what you need to sell the business for, um, you need to know because you've got to figure out the gap. Um, you know, one of the key things for it, you've got to take your time to think about what you want and you go discuss it with the right people. And that's really critical. Um, you've got to share that dream, that desire, that goal with the right people, people that are going to support you and think about it. Last thing you want to anybody with green, you know, the green eyed monster. Uh, you don't want anybody deflecting from it. Um, and it's really critical to be at that end point. You've got to cost out that life. You've got to figure out what you need to earn. What's that bit? What's your business got to sell for to give you the life that you're after? Now, as a rule of thumb, a question that I get asked by lots of MSBs that I talk to, I can't tell you what I sell my business for. I can't do that. But I can give you an indication of what you should be, what you can look for in the marketplace. If you're going to sell a really good business that's doing really well, uh, that's well managed and doesn't require a lot of input from the new owners, you're probably looking at getting in the region a 0.8 to 1.2 times your, your recurring revenue. Okay, recurring revenue is the key thing that I sell my business on. Um, now you've identified what the business looks like, you've got to imagine what the business, uh, sorry, what your life looks like. You've got to imagine what the business looks like. You know, how's it being run? How much time are you spending in the business? Uh, to, to make it worthwhile, you've got to make to the people that are buying it, what you really need to do is be in there as little as possible. You know, if you're a key part of that team, they've got to replace you. They've got to, you know, Whatever you're paying yourself in terms of the time that you're in the business, they've got to replace that time. Like I did at Prompt PC, I extract myself from the business. Literally, I'll talk about that a little bit further in, about reducing your time and getting out of the business. But sure. you know, at the end, I was in for only two, two hours a day, tops, uh, and I didn't work Fridays. You know, Keep it to the absolute bare minimum. Um, and, you know... If you're out of it, who's managing the business? Who's looking after it? Who are your staff? So, yeah, the first thing, be there, live it. You've got to feel where you're going to be in the future. Because if you can't see it, you'll never get there, honestly. Uh, so that's key step one. See the future. Be in the future. Start at the end, and then you can start to work backwards. Now, I suppose that the second real key point is you've got to find the time that finding the time is the most important thing. Um, you know, I ran a busy MSP. I was the key, I was the lead engineer. My, I didn't have the time to think, never mind think about selling the business. You know, I've got to fix the, 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 all the problems for my clients. That has to change very quickly. Um, you know, and one of the very, very first things you need to do really is read a book called um, Build Your Business in 90 Minutes a Day. It's by a great guy called Nigel Bottrell, okay? Uh, look at Amazon, you'll find it. And what it basically says is that you allocate 90 minutes a day at the best time that your brain is active. So when your brain is the most active and the most thoughtful and the most imaginative, that's the time you need to work. Now, 
when I first started, I'm, I'm a morning person, so I work best in the morning. It was hard, but I got up an hour and a half earlier in the day. Didn't happen for very, for very long, a couple of months. But I allocated 90 minutes a day where I didn't look at my emails, didn't do anything else, where I concentrated on where I'm going, what I'm doing. I worked on the business, not in it. Okay, read that book. It's probably two hours, three hours worth of reading, but it's the most informative and useful book you'll start to grow your or sell your business with. Point number two, uh, sorry, point number three, work with the right people. Get the right people around you, the right team around you. Um, and it's really key. So the very first person you need, not, you know, I work very close with my wife, Jean, so she was inherently important in the business. I shared my dreams with her. It was a joint dream. But really, the, the other thing is you need to get the right advisors in place. So get a good accountant. And I mean a really good accountant. Not someone's there just to talk about the money, but someone to talk about where you're heading, what you're doing. They can provide really, really good advice. My accountant, a guy called Dave Boll from Wallet's Chartered Accountants, is not your normal accountant. You don't want a normal accountant. You don't want a grey suited, tired old man talking to talk to. You want someone who's energetic, someone who will live the dream with you and guide you the right way. The other thing to do is go and join a mastermind group. Go and meet other people with the same ideas and dreams. You know, the same people, the same aspirations. Um, there's a motivational speaker called Jim Rohn that once said, you're the average of the five people you spend most time with. Be right. very careful about the people you spend time with. If they're negative and, and pull you down, stop seeing them. That goes for family as well as team members. Um, you know, if you can join one of these mastermind groups, uh, you know, we went and worked with Paul Green, um, who was fantastic. There are plenty of other good people like Paul Green out there, but you start to think your life becomes all about the growth. And you can only get that if you've got those, that time in your life. So your 90 minutes is critical uh, and you have to build that time up. Next bit, education, education, education. It was a saying by Tony Blair many, many moons ago. Uh, really annoying, but you do need to become better educated. Uh, you need to read some good books, and there, there are lots of good books out there. But, uh, you know, the mastermind groups that we go into, um, they will all help you. Uh, there's a great good book by um, Mark Sheridan. Uh, they Ask You Answer, for example. It just makes your brain tick. Become an expert at selling. Not just in selling your IT business, your IT services, but it's a great tool for everything else. I spent probably a good three, four years doing Sandler training with the best trainer in the UK. Uh, and I don't just say that because he, he says it, uh, but because he's been awarded that in the last 12 months. That's a guy called Roy Johnson. Do a bit of a search on Google, find Roy, um, become Sandler trained. It tells you what your clients are thinking, but also what your staff are thinking. And that becomes critical as you go further down the track. Point five, really important, really, really important, become dumb, okay? Stop being the font of all knowledge. Stop your clients from asking you questions. Stop your staff from asking you questions. Get, your, get the right people in place 
so that they answer the questions because you're the center of the cog. If you're the center of the cog, you can never sell the business. You've got to move outside. You've got to stop people from asking you questions. And I suffered that for too many years. I stayed the center of attention. It's a typical entrepreneurial problem. You want to be the center of attention, but that, if you're selling a business, is the last thing you want. Point six, automate, automate, automate. Time is money, and you need to differentiate, differentiate yourself from your competitors to begin with, but also you need things to be faster. You need to fix things. Um, you know, when I started, when I, uh, you know, probably at the peak in terms of staff, I was at 10 members of staff at Prompt BC. Lots of third line engineers that cost me a lot of money. Um, and if you're a business owner of an MSP, you'll know third line support staff are the biggest pain in your life uh, <laughs> because they only ever do what they want when they want and they cost you a lot of money. So automate, reduce the systems, make it so that you know, you've got automatic patch management in place. Your help desks are working really efficiently. You know, prompt PC, our target was to have 90% of all calls answered within 15 minutes and fixed. That was fixing all the problems. You've got to think about the customer journey. So automate. And, you know, that's where some of the MSP Easy Tool product comes in. You know, one of the tools is called MicroMonty. And the first line support engineers can fix really complicated third line support engineer jobs in, Office, in Microsoft 365 faster than most engineers can even sign into the platform. Um, point seven really is you've got to be concentrating. Again, this comes through your 90 second, 90 minutes a day, increase your monthly recurring revenue. Everything's about monthly recurring revenue. That was the big switch for me. I was very much projects, you know, go back nine years, we were into servers and all the rest of it. Um, and you know if projects so i jump from one project to another and i do big chunks of money but they're not guaranteed they're not it's not a steady flow of cash everything should turn to a monthly recurring revenue when you think every penny that i earn comes through monthly recurring revenue or the vast majority your life becomes easier and you'd be able to actually think differently about the services you offer you know we got to a point at Prompt PC where we were actually migrating clients to offer it to Microsoft 365 for no charge. We, it was a free migration. Wow. We did tie them into a monthly recurring revenue. We tied them to a three-year contract. So increase your monthly recurring revenue. Now, I challenge you as an MSP to come up with 100 ways to earn monthly recurring revenue. And there are lots of ways to earn a small amount of money each month from selling different things, uh, massive change. And one of the books, again, another book I'm afraid to go away and read is a book by Ben Hunt Davis, the Olympic gold medal winner. Um, it's about, it was called, does it make the boat go faster? And everything you do is about making the boat go faster. It's about increasing your monthly recurring revenue. If you know that all your bills are paid at the start of the month, it changes the way you think. And also, it increases that saleability at the very end. Point eight, reduce costs. Okay, that's quite, that sounds quite easy to do. But it's not just about putting all your base costs. It's about looking at what are you actually supporting? You know, are you supporting servers and really complicated things that 
you only tap into once in a while. Now, one of the, the, the important things here at Prompt PC, we removed virtually all our servers. We were supporting over 150 servers back nine years ago. Once when we sold MS Prompt PC, we were only supporting six on-prem servers. Wow. The rest we moved to Office 365, Windows 10, Windows 11, made support way easier, much simpler, which in turn meant I didn't have to have as many third-line engineers. At the end, I got five engineers, only one of which was a third-line engineer, but we were dealing with more clients and had higher turnover and a much higher profit than I did when I got 10 engineers working for me, supporting all the servers. Um, but, you know, look at the offices that you're in. You know, we've moved in the, word, in the world now with COVID. Do we need those big offices? You know, we looked at the break points in our lease, and this was a couple of years before we sold, and we took ourselves out of the big fancy offices because our clients never visited, visited us. So get your costs down, be sensible. Look at long-term costs for software, leases, anything that's the new company owner has got to deal with. Point nine, reduce your hours. Get your hours as the business owner down to absolutely nothing if you can. You know, I said I was down to eight hours a week at most. My staff never knew where I was. My clients never tried calling me. The only time a client wanted to call me or speak to me for two things. One, because they wanted me to go and sell them something else. Or two, if there was a big problem. They always want to talk to the boss if there's a problem. Uh, but, you know, get your time down to the bare minimum and make sure your staff aren't reliant on you. Give them the permission, the protection and the permission to do what you want them to do in the business. There's a big subject about that. Right. And the very last thing you really need to do is sell without incurring the big spend. You know, when you get to that point where you're very close to the end, don't think that you need to go and get a big fancy advice that's going to charge you. We had some stupid quotes to sell our business, you know, 10% with five grand up front or 10 grand up front. And, you know, solicitors that wanted to charge me 20,000 pounds to do the, the legals on it. It's not a simple process, but if you can identify the type of business that is going to buy you or you want to sell to, you can actually go and find them quite easily. So, you know, it's not just a case of selling to your existing staff or someone that's just looking for you. You can go out and advertise yourself in a very nice way without giving out lots of details. You know, high revenue, low, high monthly recurring revenue, solid client base. You work very little in the place. Would you like to be interested? Sign an NDA. You know, you can sell to not just another MSP, but... Lots of accountancy firms are buying IT companies now. Web designers, internet service providers, telecom providers, you know, people that are selling telephone systems. So look to sell to lots of other places. Uh, it's, it's, and it hasn't got to be people that are just in your area. You know, Prompt PC didn't sell to a, to a company. We didn't even approach anybody in Stoke-on-Trent. We actually looked much further afield. We got people from the south of England into Scotland, we were ultimately bought by a really good company based in, in um, Manchester. Because by getting the right people to buy your business makes that transition so much easier. So in a nutshell, 10 simple practical steps that sound really simple, which they are. Um, you need to plan each bit out with, you know, 
being honest, I think you could take a broken business that's not doing very well to a saleable business in less than three years. Um, if your business is in a good position, you can probably get there in less than two, but you've got to start planning and thinking about it today. Is that enough uh, for you? Yes, yes, some really great points there, Andrew. And, and, and you know, I think planning, the point that you mentioned, planning and keeping that goal in mind, right? The goal setting part of it, that, that's really important. I think everyone gets so into, you know, the challenges of day-to-day -day business that you lose sight of what you're working towards. Yes. Uh, yeah. you, you, you always get what you're aiming for. You always go where you get, you know, if you're looking to drive somewhere and you know where you're going, you will get there, regardless of anything that gets in the way. You know, if I wanted to go from where I live today to the, to um, John O'Groats at the top end of, you know, of, of the UK, um, there are lots of ways to get there. And there will be roadblocks and there'll be things that always get in the way. So you will detour around, but you'll always end up there. You might end up there an hour later than you planned, maybe even two hours later than you planned, but you will get where you aim for. And that's what you've got to do from the very onset is get that goal. Make sure it's a realistic goal. You know, if you want to earn 10 million, if you want to leave with 10 million pounds, pretty much you've got to have a 10 million turnover business. You've got to be turning over monthly on annual recurring revenue, 10 million ballpark. Maybe not quite that way if you're a 10 million business, but it's that's the kind of level you've got to be at, be realistic. Right. And the other interesting point that I really found uh, and I wanted you to talk about a little more is about making yourself redundant almost as a business owner when you're running it. Right. And like yes. you said, it's it's uh, you know, maybe it's relatively easy getting the right set of people. But for a lot of entrepreneurs, for a lot of uh, MSP business owners, it's the tougher part is, you know, keeping yourself away to let yeah. go, right? So how, how did you come to that mindset? What, what helped you reach there? Uh, my wife, for a start, <laughs> uh, but no. Um, yeah, she did, but it's about realizing that time passes, you know, we're only getting older. And it, it, the big, one of the things I've spotted over the years, the most successful businesses are run by people that don't work in the business. You know, you're, you have to put the right people into the right positions in the business. You know, an engineer's job is to fix problems. The managing director of the business is to guide the role, is to dictate where the, where the job, where the buzz is going. Okay. You have to dictate what the job, what the business is doing, not to do it, but to guide it. And if you're inside the business, you're in the wrong job. That's the wrong role. Um, again, some of this came from, we talked about Sandler. Quite a lot of that came from the Sandler training. It's not just okay. about how to say it's about your mindset. Um, you know, mixing with the right people, the likes of Paul Green and Nigel Bottrell. You know, we attended those sessions. It cost money. It took time. But their mentality, those people that are successful, you mix with successful people. Successful people do not sit on the end of a keyboard and fix things. They're I the ones that tell other people to do that. I think that's a frameworthy quote right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing I wanted you to uh, speak about a little bit was, uh, you know, you spoke about, you know, like you said, you, you are 
when you're staying away from the business, when you're letting your engineers do the work. But as an MSP business owner, even if you're doing eight hours a week, what are the things that you need to keep your eye on? What are the things that you need to not take your eye off from? You need to see how long the engineers are spending on the jobs. You know, you need to have a very, in your PSA, in your system, you need to know how long, when a job comes on, how long it's taking for that job to finish and is it going too long? So going back to what I said to you before, 90% of all our jobs at MS at Prompt PC were fixed within 15 minutes. Wow. And we looked at the customer journey. And you know, most MSPs I found when I was looking at my competition, you'd call up as a client, um, you'd be given a job number and told that an engineer would call you back. And then when the engineer feels like getting off his backside, he'd, fix, he'd call the engine client back, find out what the problem is. Quite often, fix it within a few minutes. But in that time frame, they've really upset the client. They've made the client really unhappy because why, why do clients call you? Because they're upset, because their yes. systems aren't working. That's typically the only time. So you've got to think about the customer journey. So my engineers answered the telephone and immediately started to fix the problem. So my measure was how many calls are fixed in less than 90 seconds, in less than 15 minutes. If it got more than 90%, I started to ask questions. If a job took longer than two hours to complete, it got elevated to me. It went through hierarchy, so it went through other engineers first. But if a job was taking longer than two hours, I wanted to know about it because most important thing is customer retention, keeping the customers happy. Right, right. And a lot of the problems are beaten by being on top of the jobs. Very important. Yes. And, and I know I said I only worked eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, eight hours a week. Mm. The question that I always raise, if, if a job got raised to me, obviously I would help fix the problem. But then I go back in and find out why it didn't get fixed earlier on and correct that problem. Is it we haven't got the right tools in place? Is it that the engineers were just too idle and I need to put my foot up the backside? Um, or is it that something else was going on and you don't just fix the problem, you go, you know, the main problem that's there then, you go back and fix the reason why you got disturbed. Got it. And what was your biggest MSP challenge and how did you overcome that? Biggest challenge, me, my attitude, okay. my attitude to change. I think, um, I think the biggest one was moving to a fixed monthly cost. So we were at Prompt PC, we were charging £75 an hour um, for work. And it was done on block hours and all the rest of it. Um, and my wife got onto a new concept that had been given to her. And I objected for too long to it. Uh, and it was to move to an unlimited remote support class, uh, system, whereby we charged a fixed monthly fee. Um, and that was at about £25 an hour per machine. You know, so I've gone from £75 an hour to unlimited remote support. Uh, and that was a key changer for me um, because it was, how am I going to earn enough money? I spend, but you start working on averages. And that's one of the things that you look at in your monthly recurring revenue section. 
But uh, yeah, that was the key thing. But that was the point where the business became way more profitable and the brain changed at that point. Right. If you had to pick one thing that led to from PC growing really fast, if there was one channel that moved the growth needle for you. I think probably the biggest one, when, when Microsoft announced that they weren't bringing out SPS 2014, when servers died, basically, in my head, that was the biggest challenge. Uh, you know, that, that dramatically changed. At Prompt PC, we got 150 servers. We were changing probably two or three servers a month. I never worried about monthly recurring revenue. They told us that SPS 2014 wasn't going to be developed. We've got to use, at the time, it's called Office 365. That was the biggest challenge. Got but it. We came through it. Yeah, and, and if you had to, um, I also was asking, if you had to pick one channel that moved the growth needle, that made you grow faster, anything that led to, say, growth rapidly increasing or which led to your business moving from A to B really, really fast. I think it was, it was the 90 minutes, the 90 minute session. I stopped working in the business and started working on the business. Um, we just, to be personally, my mother-in-law had had a stroke. Jean had lost two of her sisters, unfortunately passed away. Life was very hard. Life wasn't fun. And Jean came across Nigel Bottrell. Um, came across some marketing he was sending out and we got into that 90 minutes of working on the business. That was the key thing that really pulled us forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and we forget that, you know, that MSP business owners and entrepreneurs are, you know, real life human beings, right? You, you human keep beings forgetting them. Yeah, we're not business owners to begin with. We're actually husbands, wives, partners, you know, we've got a life, you know, we've got parents, we've got grandchildren, we've got kids, you know, we've got all these things going on. And business is there to provide the lifestyle that we want. That's all that business is there for. All our staff are in the business to provide the lifestyle that we want to deliver for ourselves and our family. And that's a key thing to remember. Your staff are nice it is, and I say this really, and I'm being nice about this, but your staff are there to give you the lifestyle that you want. If they're not adding to it, if they're taking it away, don't have them. Yeah. And um, how did you land your first client? Um, I used to work in the ceramic industry. Uh, you know, before I was in the, in the IT industry, I worked in the ceramic industry. So it was the engineering firm that um, we were using in the ceramics company. They, I, I told them I was going to leave um, and start my own IT business, and they asked me to fix their, their computers. Yes. But that was a long time ago. That was 25, 26 years ago now. And that brings me to one point that you mentioned in one of our previous uh, discussions. You mentioned about how it's important to fire clients as well. Oh, yes. There's nothing better than firing a client. Um, someone once said, fire a client for Christmas. It is the best thing you can do. You have all got clients that take a lot of your time. They are always the ones that pay you the least money. 
you know the guy, you know the client because the, see the phone ring on the help desk number and all your engineers say, I'm not answering that phone. I don't want to talk to that guy. That person is one of the people that you need to find. So there's two ways to fire a client. You can straight away just go and fire them. Just tell them you're not compatible. Or the even better way is double your cost. Increase their costs. They will whinge and complain about it. But they will do one of two things. They will either pay you double the rate, and then you can sit back every time they do ring the phone and just think, at least I'm getting paid for it. Or they'll disappear and become somebody else's problem. But that will really help your staff more than anything else. That will lift the mood of the entire business. You'll stop wasting time dealing with the most awkward, obnoxious person that's paying you no money. Um, and I know for a fact MSPs suffer fools for no reason. Because I did it. I also wanted to, um, the other question I wanted to understand is if you were to do this all over again, what's the one thing that you would change? What would I change? I'd, I'd plan better. I'd have, I'd have had that, you know, I, I've just given you those 10 things to do. I failed on the first step. I didn't think, I didn't plan, I didn't have it. It took me too long. I got there in the end, in terms of the planning, you know, I realized too far, you know, if I'd done that from day one, if I built my business to begin with, knowing that I was going to sell it, the business would have grown to be much bigger. I wouldn't have worked so hard and I've earned a lot more money because if you build it to sell it, even if you don't sell it today, tomorrow, next year, next month, wherever, you've got a very good business that's earned you a lot of money without you having to work in it. So you can actually enjoy the journey more. Yes. And, you know, to those MSPs who are either struggling with their revenue or who are just struggling, what is the one message that you would have for them? I think the first thing is find the time to work on the business. So definitely read, read Nigel's book. That's the very, very first thing. And then next thing is monthly recurring revenue. Monthly recurring revenue has to become your number one goal. Now, I know as an MSP that's working on projects, cash flow bounces up and down, massive peaks and troughs. And it's really difficult to start to get into monthly recurring revenue. But that's where you need to start more. Start the day in, day out stuff to a monthly recurring revenue and build it. So that's, you know, You've got a nice, not a flat line, but a growing line in terms of your monthly recurring revenue. So you can stop wor worrying about where's the next thousand pounds coming from to pay this bill and where's that coming from? You know it's going to be there. It's a, it's a game changer by moving to a monthly recurring revenue system. Great. My final question is, you know, when, when you decided to sell, how did you decide that this is the right time to sell? And how, if you could walk us through maybe briefly, how did that yeah. sale you know, come about? How did you get it done? I think COVID, as we went into COVID, we were, already, we were just about to move office. Um, we were just about to go into COVID. And my wife turned around and said, I'm not moving, I'm not moving office. We're not, I'm not moving office. The engineers are going to move, but I'm not going. I'm going to stop working 
in the office because we're going to sell the business. Um, and I took me a few days and I agreed with her. Um, I have been married 36 years this year, so um, I know where my place is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to be fair, we made that decision. And after that, it all because we got the goal in our head, we are selling the business. I then started talking to the people and the, to the right people. Obviously, you can't tell your staff and you can't tell your clients that you're thinking of selling. But you start talking to other businesses that are potentially looking to buy your business. And we move that forward, you know, non-disclaimers and all the rest of it. Got it. Anything else that, you know, you would like to share further or any points that you would like to talk about? Um, I think I've probably given you enough things to think about. Have a look at monthly recurring revenue. That's the killer thing. Reduce your costs. Obviously, come and have a look at MSP Easy Tools because uh, we can help you on your Office 365 side of thing with that. But mix with the right people. That's the key thing. Only share that dream, that, that goal to sell the business with the right people. People that are going to help you and support you and help you to get where you need to be. Great, Andrew. Thank you so much for so generously sharing the lessons that you, you know, learned in the trenches of doing business. Thank you for being part of Superpod. No problem. It was great being here. And thank you listeners for tuning in to this episode of Superpod Road to 1 Million. This is Radhika Nair signing off. Thank you. Thank you.